everything I see is just right now with any agent is talking about how the rates are going crazy. And I just try to stay away from that because everybody knows that by now. And if you could still, you could get in there and talk to people about other things, meet them, even if it doesn't work out now, they're going to remember that you aren't the one guy complaining about the rates. So the question is this, how do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Hey, Real Estate Rockstars, this is Caleb Spears filling in for Aaron Amuchastegui, and today I get the pleasure of interviewing Brent Rosenthal, who is one of the top agents in Philadelphia. He runs a team of 10. Over the years, Brett has been recognized by some of the biggest publications throughout the nation and throughout the area of Philadelphia. That includes the Wall Street Journal's Real Trends for most units sold in that area. He's also been highlighted as Homestap's top 5% of realtors. He's been highlighted in uh, Pennsylvania and Montgomery County Association of Realtors for being a top producing member. He had almost 80 sides just in the last 12 months. Brent is an absolute killer. We're excited to have you on the show, sir. How are you doing today? Good. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, so here's something I'm really interested to talk with you about. I saw in your bio, you started out as a, a, an attorney doing real estate law in New York City and have since transitioned into real estate. That's a pretty fascinating transition, one that I haven't seen a whole lot. Can you just tell us a little bit about the backstory there? Yeah, so actually I went to law school to become a criminal lawyer. I watched a lot of TV, loved the crime TV shows and went to school, worked as like an intern at uh, the U.S. Attorney's Office, the Philadelphia District Attorney's Office, loved it, but started to realize that they work you to death and you make no money. Um, and then I wanted to move to New York City. I just wanted to change. I moved to New York City and got a job. Um, for a big law firm who did mainly real estate law, bankruptcy, foreclosure. Um, and it was so boring. Hated it. Um, just tons of paperwork with banks. And um, I guess that's where I like dipped into real estate, um, but wanted to get out of law, basically. Yeah. I imagine, though, that being having that background of being a real estate attorney probably affords you some unique advantages when you're navigating the market. Because I think that's one of our greatest fears as realtors who are not attorneys is we're going to say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, and end up in like some kind of gotcha lawsuit. Has that given you a leg up at all? I mean, there's definitely been situations where um, either I've known other realtors who crossed the line and I just kind of mentioned it so that it doesn't go any further. Um, I got a listing yesterday um, because the woman who was selling her house had some... Um, domestic violence situations and she felt comfortable that I used to do that type of law. So like it has helped. It actually has helped even though it's not directly related. Yeah. Very cool. And then, okay. So I saw too, you got your license back in 2015, but you said you really didn't start practicing real estate as a full-time profession until the last four years. In that time, you've been absolutely crushing it. I mean, you're, you're pushing a hundred sides in a year in transaction volume. That's, uh, a huge achievement for anybody in any market. 
what's been uh, your experience so far and what's been some of the things that have kind of helped propel your career so quickly? So I think part of it is just Philadelphia is a great market um, between home buyers and just tons of investors coming from New York and DC and everywhere. I get calls from people from all over. It's, it's, it's still affordable compared to other big cities. Um, so I do definitely benefit from the investment side. And then I just think the other thing is I never turn anybody down, whether it's a $50,000 piece of land or a million dollar house. Like to me, I, it all like works out and those little ones become referrals um, and it just, they grow basically. So I never really shy away. Whereas I see tons of other realtors just moving away from those. Mm -hmm. I think that's why. Yeah. So you, you've achieved a ton of success in four years. What was that first year like for you? Cause I feel like that's where most people struggle the most. I know I definitely did. Yeah. So I think when I first started, I was, kind of part-time, which I've, I've kind of learned you can't do with this. Um, between that and just flat out listening to every real estate agent who's done well, it was kind of like, I kind of realized like that's not the way to do it either. You kind of have to pick your, find your own way and find what's, what you're good at and run with that. And I started to learn that um, I actually benefited more learning by from brand new realtors, brand new agents who we're also doing the same thing and kind of like feeling their way through it. And I think once I, I got a group of people uh, that were in the same situation, it actually helped me. Yeah. So what were um, a few of those tips and tricks you picked up along the way? Cause we get, a, we have a lot of people that listen to the podcast that are new agents that are kind of hoping to find what you had in that, that tribe um, through the podcast, do you remember any of those things that were kind of light bulb moments you went, oh my gosh, that helps so much? Um, I mean, like, so like, I think a lot of the big problem with agents that are new, they take everything so serious, um, specifically when you go on like a listing appointment. Um, and I, I actually went with my brother, who's been in real estate a lot longer, to a, a listing appointment and he didn't say one thing about real estate and just like talked and had communication and everybody laughed and it was just like a funny thing. And literally nothing was discussed about real estate other than walking through the house and seeing what's there. Um, and then what he did is like basically after the appointment, that's when he turned into a realtor. And um, I started to learn, like, if you go into listing appointments like that, um, people seem to like you. They don't want to hear all the real estate stuff because every single agent comes to their house and just talks real estate. Um, so I think yeah. that helped. Um, I also think like a lot of people ignore the internet aspect of real estate and just focus on open houses and stuff like that and not having a website. I, I think that hurts. I think there's ways to do stuff like that, that just gets you noticed. And I get calls, I Googled you, like I get that all the time now. And it's just by really working on search engine optimization and like just doing things that put your name out there. Um, I think it's just overlooked and I think that helped me. Yeah, I agree with all of that. I remember going to, so we've got a team of nine full-time agents and then a couple of administrative staff. And one of one of my agents is brand new 
And she was like, man, I hate doing open houses. It's like, tell me more, please. And she said, I just, I, I never get any clients. A lot of people come in, but I just, they never want to work with me. And I was like, I'm going to come to an open house with you. I'm going to see what's up, why that's, why that's happening. So I sat mm-hmm. one with her and I realized the problem. It's exactly what you were saying. She was talking so much about the house and the specs on it and the rental income and the neighborhood. Like she knew the house inside and out, but that was all she talked about. She never asked them, where are you guys from? What are you looking for? You know, what do you love about our area? How long are you guys going to be in town? Can I make any restaurant recommendations or all these different things that just build rapport and create a relationship? And I was like, girl, you're not building relationships with people. And I think that's so awesome that your brother kind of taught you that off the bat. Cause it's, it's almost like we want, we, we want to overcompensate for not feeling like the expert in the room what we're supposed to be as a new agent. So we just want to almost overshare about real estate rather than just getting to know somebody. I agree. So what's it been like for you? Cause I know you said you have a, you have a 10 agents. Most of them are new. What's it been like transitioning from being on your own to being someone who's a team lead and, and helping people kind of solve those challenges? Yeah, so I started the team basically because I got so busy where I couldn't even handle the leads I was getting, and I hated just wasting them. So I started a small team and figured I would give the leads to the people on the team. Um, I don't know. I have like a team, like I guess I'm like I always like grew up with teams. I played sports. I played hockey. Um, I um, I had before I became a realtor when I was living in New York city, I was part of a sales team selling internet services when like internet was first taking off. And we were a team of the worst possible salespeople ever that like grew together and became really good. I'm just used to like the team atmosphere. So I brought on these people and I'm basically training them um, to do what they think works for them, but also showing them what I did that was different maybe than 95% of what they're told. And between the two, I think they, a lot of them have figured it out pretty quickly. Yeah. What are some of those things you, you did differently that you felt like kind of helped push you forward and push your career forward? Yeah. So I think like your drill that you have to go to open houses 20, you know, every weekend, two a day, one a day, um, your drill that you should come into the office and just make phone calls, um, call expireds and, and for sale by owners, like for a couple hours a day. And that doesn't work for everybody. The open house thing didn't work for me, not so much because of the conversation. It was more because I would go there and very few people would ever come or, um, you know, sometimes they would, but there was just so many weekends where I felt like I was just wasting hours of my day where I could be doing other things to basically do more business. So what I started showing them is ways to get in touch with expireds and for sale by owners that isn't necessarily just phone calls. Um, there's ways uh, we have a CRM that will text them, we'll send them emails. Um, and we use like kind of unique ways to try to be different than every other person that calls them. And then again, like doing stuff online, we now have a uh, video company that makes uh, reels for us for Instagram and TikTok, And that's been like doing very well. I just went viral on TikTok for a Phillies video where I literally just stood in front of a pole and said maybe 10 seconds and it took off. And uh, sweet, it's already resulted in like two real estate leads, which is like kind of, kind of nice. 
Yeah. So just awesome. different, different things that like other people don't do because I just feel clients, they get inundated with realtors and anything you can do to be different is, is good. It's so true. I remember on a cold call, someone, I, I, the guy picked up the phone. He's like, I hate realtors. And I'm like, man, me, me too. Let's talk about it. And he's, he's so caught off guard by that. Yeah. We compare stories sometimes without um, going into names, but well, they do. I don't know. Yeah. And it's, I, I really do think so many realtors do fall into that trap of just wanting to be the expert so bad and prove what they know so bad that they just almost word vomit about a house or a neighborhood or your house is worth this much because of these reasons. These, have you found that in your, your prospecting scripts, whether it's your texts, emails, phone calls, is it, do you tend to base things more on, on the, uh, the value proposition of, of real estate based stuff? Or do you tend to try to take the more relational approach and kind of engage them on that, that friendship or just more human level? Definitely the more, the more human I'm, I don't know. Everything I see is just right now with any agent is talking about how the rates are going crazy. And I just try to stay away from that because everybody knows that by now. And if you can still, if you could get in there and talk to people about other things, um, meet them, even if it doesn't work out now, they're going to remember that you weren't the one guy complaining about the rates. Um, and in two years, they, they might call you. So yeah, it's, it's more relational, more like getting in front of them and just meeting them. Um, even like, like, I don't know, I'm a little different. I, some realtors won't meet people if they're not pre-approved. Um, to me, I will, because at some point I think they're going to get pre-approved. I won't spend my year with them, but you know, I definitely like to meet everybody one way or the other. Yeah, absolutely. So are you then when you're doing your, your cold calling or prospecting, however you're going about it, is your goal to set the appointment and to see someone face to face? Yeah. See, well, I so, love so I, that. Yeah, see, I like, I'd say I'm 80% listings right now. So for me, yeah, I want to come out there and meet them and see the house and stuff like that. Yeah, no, 100%. And that's, I, that's something that we've been really harping on with our agents too, because we were actually talking with uh, someone who worked at Zillow and he said something like eight out of 10 buyers and, and I'm sure for sellers, it's probably even more. It's eight out of 10 buyers will close their, their transaction with the first agent they meet in person. So they might engage a couple of them via text. They might talk on the phone, but they will close almost always with the person they actually meet face to face. And in our market, that gets a little tricky because we're a second home market. So a lot of times they're not here in person. We have to get a little creative to set Zoom meetings and things like that. But um, I think that's, probably a huge key I'd imagine in y'all's market and in most primary home markets where it's like just getting in front of them probably seals the deal most of the time. Yeah, I agree. And you gotta, and then, yeah, and then once you meet them, you gotta be like, when they want to get a hold of you, you need to be there. Cause otherwise then they'll go find someone else. So staying with them is, is key too. Yeah. So do you have a follow-up process for your, your leads or how often are you staying in touch with people? So again, so I'm like mostly listing. And when I get a listing lead, it goes into my CRM and they're on these plans that are continuously reached out to. And then during holidays and special, like I'll reach out directly to ones that um, 
either I have a relationship with or that I know would like to hear from me. So between the two, like they're always getting, they're always getting contacted somehow, some more than others. Yeah, I'm the same way. So I, I, I'm trying to get better at, sorry, I a little notification that popped up. I'm trying to get better at operating out of my CRM. It sounds like you've got a good handle on that. Has that been kind of a, a touchstone of your business that's helped you scale? Yeah, so I didn't have it at first. Um, we had one at the company I was with, and it was just really confusing to me, and I just didn't think it would do anything. And then I ended up uh, starting a website which came with its own CRM, and that one just started instantly getting me business. Um, so ever since that, I've been I've been on it, and I I on I think I get more business from the CRM automatically contacting people than me ever picking up a phone. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. What CRM do you use? Um, so now, I'm, well, I guess I use two. I use a combination of the one that Compass gives you, which is pretty good. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. I use Follow Up Boss because it's my team. It, it, it's easier to filter through the team and, and pick up some things. Aaron's going to love you because they're one of the sponsors of the podcast. So <laughs> this is a great yeah, follow I've up boss. Been, I've only been using <laughs> I've only been using it for uh, two months, but I really like it. That's awesome. I know. I really want to check it out. I hadn't heard of them until I started listening to the podcast. And uh, we had already kind of been entrenched in a different CRM software, but I really want to check it out because every agent that I've talked to that uses Follow-Up Boss has nothing but incredible things to say about it. Hey, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui, and I'm interrupting myself to bring you this commercial break from one of our sponsors. There's somebody I've been looking at for a long time, and when they reached out to me, I said, yes, we have to be able to do this deal. So that sponsor is Follow Up Boss. There's a lot of superstars out there that use Follow Up Boss. What's your favorite CRM? We're using Follow Up Boss. We use Follow Up Boss. So we use Follow Up Boss. I love Follow Up Boss. I love it. We have action plans now for bringing on new agents. We have action plans for our recruiting. Uh, we call them action plans and follow-up boss, which will trigger tasks for the agents to do as far as calling. Follow-up boss, I like more for the integrations with everything, MailChimp, call action, all those different products. I will say we used Sync and we switched from Sync to follow-up boss. Honestly, the greatest CRM I've ever used, I've used Brivity Sync. I've looked at Boomtown, like Real Geeks, just a bunch of different ones. But me personally, I've fell in love with Fub about like seven months ago when I first started using it. I've used Boomtown. I've used Line Desk. I've used Conversion. And I think Follow Up Boss gives you the most integrations mm -hmm. that are simple. And it gives you the best ability to go and integrate large things into one single solitary platform. Yet at the same time, it's still affordable. I do like Follow Up Boss better just because it you can text from the app and things like that. It's just a little more convenient for me. Um, it tracks everything that I need. I can customize it if I want. If I want to go smart list based, that's fine. If I want to go task based, it's fine. I think it's one of the best systems and it's very user friendly. It just really helps me never drop a ball because it, it's so user friendly. I don't have a one horse in the race with Follow Up Boss. Purely objective. Follow-Up Boss has been the best one that we've found. Now, I've used Follow-Up Boss. We've actually used it in our non-real estate businesses as well because it's so good at being able to set timers, set automatic texting and emailing. So here's what we got. For Real Estate Rockstars listeners, you get a 30-day free trial. That's normally 14 days. 
So in order to get this, you go followupboss.com, just like it sounds, forward slash rockstars. Go there, get your 30-day free trial and check it out, especially if you aren't using any systems or any CRMs yet, this will be a great one for you to start with. Thanks again, now back to our show. So that's awesome. Yeah. So how's your team doing? I'm really curious to hear about your experience as a team leader because that's something that, that I've been doing. And, you know, that's honestly can real estate can be easy after a while in the sense that you've seen it and done it all. So you, you're kind of, you can catch the curveballs a little easier, but leading a team is like a whole different beast. How has that been? Have you faced any challenges yet? Is Are things just smooth sailing? What's going on? So I guess it- I guess it depends on, um, so again, so like the reason I started a team was to help with my leads and I enjoy watching people do well for themselves. So I guess it hasn't, it hasn't been a challenge. It's actually been really rewarding. Um, I've seen several on my team like start to do well. Um, and these are mainly people like right out of college or that never went to college that are pretty young. Um, so that part's been great. I guess I have this like high bar where I think everybody should be working like I work, which doesn't always happen. So that to me, it gets a little frustrating more for them than me um, because it's their own money and success. So I, I try to get everybody to where I'm at. And again, some of them just, some of them were without me even doing a thing and some have become, but I think like many of them are learning now, like what they can do in real estate if they just do it. Um, so it's, it's been good. That's I have good. a great team of like great people. So I'm lucky. That is awesome. That's always a blessing when you have good personnel to work with. And yeah. I, I've definitely seen that for my own self and our team. And I can remember even just cause I started in this business really young. I was 18 when I got licensed and was finishing up college and kind of similar to probably a lot of your agents on your team. And I can, I look back, I'm like, God, I wish I would have worked harder back then. I wish I would have put more into the business back then. Because as you get older, you you have more of a sense of urgency as your financial demands in your life build, as your time demands build. You know, I'm married. I have a kid now. It's Time time has been constrained a lot. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, if I would have just, if I would have just worked 24-7 back when I was like 19, I'd be, I'd be so much further ahead. But I will say there's hope for those agents too, because I've grown into a great agent that, that is disciplined with my time and working hard, but I definitely didn't start that way. So I think people have that ability to kind of step into that over time, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So what, um, what was some keys to, so let me ask you this. I'm curious about how the growth pattern worked Cause right now you're, you are absolutely killing it. Was year one like that? Was year one, like I am crushing this. I'm doing 60, 70 deals a year. That's nah, so a year one was like, I'd say half of the year part-time. Um, it took me, um, well, it took me pretty quick to get my first uh, property under contract. It was a pretty big one. And I was banking on the money and I was so excited. And then there was a major stucco issue and the entire thing fell apart. So I was like kind of like depressed at that point for a week or so, um, which everybody I think is when they get into this business and then like see a deal fall through. Now it's like, I'm just used to handling it and it's not a big deal. But um, I'd say after the first 
I'd say in the first six months, I sold maybe three sales. They were all like really small. And then the second half of the year is when I kind of started taking off a little. I probably sold uh, maybe like 20. And then nice. that second year is where I think I did 100. And the third year, 100. And wow. this year, maybe in the 80s or something. Yeah, something like that. That's incredible. That's, I mean, it's 100 sides. Is, I don't even know how you keep your head on straight. <laughs> That's an insane amount of volume. Yeah. That's like two deals a week, dude. That's intense. So kudos to you. Do you have a ton of support staff in place? Do you have a full-time assistant or a transaction coordinator? How do you kind of keep all the pipeline, the paperwork pipeline flowing? Yeah. So um, at first I didn't, and then it was driving me nuts. Um, with 100 transactions, I was going nuts. But now we do. We have a full-time uh, transaction coordinator. She does marketing. She does uh, conveyancing, and it's really helped. Awesome. Yeah, we found that too. When we hired an assistant, it, the whole world opened up because it, it frees your mind up to focus on the things that actually make money, <laughs> which is helping people buy and sell. And then all the other paperwork stuff just kind of takes away, takes your eye off the ball, those, you know, those crucial few tasks. Yeah. Speaking of which, I'm curious, if you had to just think about your business what do you feel like are those crucial few tasks that if you know, if you execute these on a daily or weekly basis, it's adding the most value to your business. Is that uh, making sure you're prospecting? Is that following up with past clients? Is it um, going out and, you know, hitting the phones for your listings? Like what for you has been the keys to success? So I guess the key for me has been like staying on top of listing leads as they come in. Um, I try not to let any of them fall through the crack. And um, by doing that, I feel like I'm just the first person to meet with them. Um, and that's really helped me. I probably need better follow-up with existing clients. I've lost a couple secondary transactions simply because I wasn't there. Um, and again, I have the CRM, which does do that. But I think maybe more in-person interaction with some of my clients would be good. Yeah, that was huge for me. I remember the first like three years of my career, people would say, oh yeah, my business is all referral based. I just get so many client referrals and repeat clients. And I'm like, how? I'm not, I'm not getting any of those. Where are you getting all those from? And I, I realized now looking back, it was because I had really bad follow-up with my clients. When they closed, I just kind of dusted my hands off and said, all right, cool. On to the next one. I got to go make some more money somewhere else. Call me in two years mm -hmm. when you're ready to do something, you know, and that's just yeah, not realistic. That, yeah, some of the ones that I sold houses like a year and a half later were already moving or had a friend that was moving. Yeah. I always say you'd be shocked by the timeline because people will tell you one thing and do another all the time. And mm -hmm. they work with the last realtor they talk to. I mean, 90% of the time people work with the last realtor they talk to. And even if you've done business with them, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be loyal on that second or third transaction. And I've had some very stinging losses where I thought someone was loyal to me because we've done some deals together and maybe let that follow-up process slip thinking, oh, well, that yeah, that's my client, quote unquote, and uh, ended up seeing their name on the hot sheet with a different agent and went, ouch, <laughs> oh man, I dropped that ball. Yeah, and I've had so, that. Uh, I think most top agents have. 
because it's really easy to get in the flow of just constantly doing new business and forgetting the old business that you've done. But mm -hmm. that was a serious key for me. When I switched that mindset and realized that my past clients were probably going to be some of my best sources of business because they're the raving fans, right? They're the ones that can refer me their friends. They're the ones talking to people about the house they just bought. They're getting real estate conversations started with others. And when I when that light bulb kind of went off that they're one of the best sources for business if you just maintain those relationships, I made that kind of a, a part of my process. Um, so that would be one thing that I'd encourage. If it's not a big part of your process yet, you'd be amazed how much um, business that you did not expect pops up out of the ground from people that you didn't think it was going to come from. Yeah, I agree. I've lost several. I'm learning. I'm also like, I get reviews after a transaction. Um, I've learned ways. Some people just don't give reviews, not because they like you or dislike you, just because they're lazy and don't give reviews like me. So um, I've learned different ways to get reviews, which help, which has really helped. Um, the agents on my team, several of them have sold things and they don't go the next step to like get these reviews that they can. And I'm trying to like focus on that because they really do help. People find me on Google specifically because of my reviews and will call me. For that. Yeah. I suck at that. I'm one of those realtors that I'm not good at getting reviews. So yeah. tell me more, like what are, what are, what are some of the strategies to get people to actually follow through on that? I mean, so ideally the best way to do it is right at the closing. It's when they are there, they're happy. They, you know, they're not going to get lazy because they're right there with you. You just set it up for them and let them do it. Um, I don't always do that. Sometimes it's awkward that way, but um, that works the best. Um, I used to email everybody a nice email that was really professional and most just ignored it. Um, I've learned texting where you actually send them the actual link works better than that. Even though it's just a really ugly text, it, it works better. And um, sometimes just like talking about other things for a little and then, oh, by the way, you mind doing that, that that's worked awesome. Yeah. What's the, what's the script like? Is it, hey, this really would benefit my business if you feel like I did a good job? Like, how do you kind of tee that up to, to make that conversation smooth and easy? Um, it's kind of more like a congratulations on your new purchase or your sale. It was a pleasure working with you. I usually bring something in personal that took place or that I know about the person. And um, just say, if, if you need anything else, I'm always here for you. And if you wouldn't mind leaving, uh, a five-star review on either any of these sites. They really helped me as a realtor and I would love to be able to help other people like I helped you. And then I put the links there, but half the people ignore it. Yeah, so. I, was gonna, I was wondering what the hit rate is because I, I was diligent about it for a bit and then I just totally fell off the train. One thing that I did find helped, someone gave me a tip once. They said, if you'll send someone like a $5 Starbucks gift card, you can send them digitally and be like, hey, I know this is a pain to fill out, have a coffee on me and while you're sipping it, if you could just go leave me a review, it really helps my business. Do you feel like that would work? So I thought about doing that um, and with a friend, I um, we were making videos in Philadelphia and we went to Starbucks and our plan was to give everybody a $5 gift card um, when they do a little interview with us on camera. And the lady at Starbucks laughed at us saying, there's not one drink here for $5. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you're buying half a cup at that point. Yeah. You're buying like, yeah, you can't even get like a snack there for $5 anymore. But 
I do think maybe something like that. I mean, I get, I get um, companies who send me things like that to review. And if I take the gift card, I do the review. So it probably does. I, I guess I have mixed feelings, like, in a way. I don't know if they think that's, like, bribing them. But in a way, it's also nice. And I don't know. It might be something I actually try. Yeah, I, I, I really need to put more effort into getting reviews because we've, we've found that uh, that's, that's like the first thing. We'll ask our clients sometimes, how did you find us or what made you want to work with us? And it's, they always say, well, the first thing I did was I Googled you and I pulled up your social media. And that's, we, we're good at the social media piece. I feel like we've got that locked in, but the, the review thing we suck at. So I appreciate you giving me the encouragement I need there. What's social media been like for you? I know you said you're on TikTok and Instagram and all those things. What's the growth been like, and, and has that helped your business grow? I mean, what's what's been the effect there? Yeah, so I started slow with it. I hate being on camera. I just never liked it. Um, but I started to do it along with some real estate stuff. I started learning that the more you post that's not real estate, the better it does. Um, so I now do more personal stuff with real estate mixed in. Um, and then a few months ago, um, a social media company in Philadelphia who makes reels and stuff like that um, approached me to, to try it out. I tried it out. And ever since doing that, I'm getting like clients. I'm getting um, reality TV shows wanting to talk to me. I'm getting like just a lot of like opportunities because they like the quality of the videos and that I'm consistent and posting like good videos. Some of them yeah. aren't even, again, like most of them are not real estate. They're mainly um, stuff about Philadelphia, things to do, places to go, restaurants. Um, and then we Lifestyle. mix in some real, real estate videos with that. Um, so the key is like for people to remember if they're actually looking for an agent that this guy's on Instagram every day posting things and might, might actually come back to me. But I have gotten a couple of these. I have a, a guy on my team who started doing TikTok, just house tours um, with music. And he does mainly rentals, but he gets a ton of clients simply by posting tons of nice rentals. Nice. Yeah, we've, I've had a buddy of mine in Washington, D.C. His name's Daniel Hyder, and he's, an, he's, first of all, the nicest person in the world, but second of all, an absolute monster in real estate. And um, he had he had the largest TikTok following of any real estate brand in the world on TikTok. Yeah. And I don't know if he's still number one or not. I'd have to check with him. But he's got millions and millions of followers, and that's all he posts is just walkthroughs of houses that are professionally filmed, done well. He, sometimes he'll also have a model or someone like that walking through the house and kind of showing the lifestyle of how the house lives. But yeah, you're like just mm -hmm. throw some music on top of it and they just blow up. And he said he's gotten so much good press from that, so many clients from it. So I think you guys are on to something there. Yeah, I think you have I think I think you have to do it now. And um it's been working. I love what you said too about it's it's not all real estate, it's about the lifestyle and stuff, because that's especially I, I live in a beach town, you know, so that's what people come here for is the beach. And we found that just showing someone a house, that reel might do okay, but showing them the beach and the restaurants, or I've got a buddy who literally just puts his iPhone on his bicycle. He's got a little mount on his bike and he'll just bike down a beach walk path, you know, and people will tune into that. Thousands and thousands of people tune into his Instagram lives to just watch him bike down the beach, 
which is so weird to me. <laughs> but it does really well. Yeah. We don't have yeah, that here. Like, stream a Phillies game or something. That Well, that's if, that, that actually is probably the best thing to do right now, like stream anything Phillies. Um, they're crushing it, right? Aren't they in the World Series? Yeah, they're like two games away from hopefully winning the whole thing. Um, Dang. But really big here. Like, what's going on? Yeah. Is the city just buzzing right now? It is, yeah. Man, People are buying that's so fun. More Phillies uh, tickets and paraphernalia than houses, but uh, it's gone crazy. Yeah. I believe it. Is there any way to leverage that Phillies connection, or you know, is there is there any creative way that someone can take something unique like that in their city and kind of use it to help their business? Have y'all been able to? capitalize on that in any kind of creative way? I mean, like, so we've made these videos that incorporate some Philly stuff, which has taken off. Um, so it probably helps our social media. People in the city are happy. So, like, I've gotten – it could be totally unrelated. I got, like, four listings this week out of nowhere. And, like, I don't know if it's related. Some people think it is. But, like, people are generally happy. The stores are doing well. People are buying clothing. People are buying stuff like that. So who knows? Not sure. That's awesome. Yeah. I want to ask you too. I'm curious about your take on obviously the real estate market has changed a ton over the last six months with interest rates and everything. What do you? What have you seen happening in Philadelphia, and and where do you kind of think the future of the real estate market is headed? So in Philadelphia, I would say the prices are not really down because there's still just a shortage of houses and. Um, again, Philadelphia is a great city because it's not New York and not D.C. where the prices are crazy. I've heard from New York agents today specifically that prices are way down there. Um, here, I mean, maybe a little. There's definitely less buyers. I'm not getting the traffic on my listings that I used to get. But the good news is they're still selling, and they're still selling at similar prices. Um, November and December is typically slow anyway um, because it's – starts getting freezing in the holidays. Um, I've always done well in those months because I've basically targeted investors who are trying to buy things before the end of the year for tax purposes. So that kind of shifts anyway. As far as what happens in the future, I guess it really kind of just depends on rates. I think in the spring there'll be a, a surge anyway because people are always looking for houses and they always need houses, but it's definitely made it a little harder. Just yeah, it has. Yeah. Yeah, our market is our transaction volume is down fifty percent, so fifty percent less deals happening in the market uh, year over year, which is not a fair comparison because the end of twenty one was insane. But the pricing has remained really strong here too. I did just get back from a conference though, where I talked to some Atlanta, Nashville, Dallas. I mean, some of the bigger metropolitan markets throughout the southeast here. And they're all saying that they're down anywhere from 7 to 15% from their peaks. So the fact that Philadelphia is remaining strong, I think, is awesome. I think that bodes really well for a positive future as we kind of weather this, this short storm with the interest rates and everything. Um, I'm curious to hear this, to hear your thoughts on this. One thing I've been kind of using as a value proposition in our market is if you can sell in a market where the value is holding really strong, like Philadelphia or like our market here, and then you can go take that equity that you've built up over the last couple of years and go place it in a market that's fallen a good bit, but you, you have a 
good confidence will rebound, you know, like New York, like Nashville, um, Austin and Texas is huge right now. Like they've, they've fallen pretty hard, but they're, I feel confident they're bouncing back strong um, come 24 because they have a bunch of tech stuff going on there. So, you know, let's say something goes down like 25% over the course of the next year and your local market's only down five or 10. I think one of the value propositions we could pitch as agents is, hey, why don't you sell the equity you've built here that's held its, its value fairly well compared to the national market and go buy something at a steep discount. And that way you as a realtor, you might be able to double in their house because you've got that listing, maybe bring a buyer to it. And then also pick up a referral fee on the back end by connecting them with an expert in the market they want to get to. It's a good idea, actually. Yeah, I, yeah, guess, it I, mean, it's... Yeah, I guess it depends on how long the market, like, is it going to be a year? Or is it going to be five? Like, you know, it's just tough to tell. Yeah, yeah I mean, I've my prediction, and I'm, I don't want to be the guy with the crystal ball trying to, figure it all out because who the heck knows what will happen. Mm. But my thought process on it is interest rates through 23 are probably going to be kind of rough. It'll definitely slow down the national real estate market. Local markets will fare differently. You know, some local markets might still just keep crushing, but overall I think nationally it'll slow down a little through 23. And then come 24, hopefully inflation will be to a point where the government is happy with those numbers because that's why they're raising the rates in the first place. Yeah. And that's also a presidential election year. And we all know that politicians, no matter what side of the aisle they're on, love to be like, hey, y'all, this economy is pretty nice under me, isn't it? Don't you want to elect me yeah. again? And that's kind of what I'm banking on is I think that there will be a really big push to help get us out of the current um, economic downturn that we've been experiencing. Um, either late 23 or early 24, kind of heading into that election cycle so that they have numbers to point to and be like, the economy is pretty good. You should, you should elect us. Yeah. That could be. Makes sense. Well, listen, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but before we before we jump off here, I would love to hear, Do you? we get a ton of people on this podcast that are newer in their career. What are some of the tips that you could give to someone that's just starting out that would help them grow and, and maybe save some of the growing pains that you and I went through as new agents or, um, you know, just any of those things that can maybe help them jumpstart their career. Yeah. So I would say don't be all real estate, show people who you are as a person, um, along with real estate. Um, I would say, don't just listen to people who have been doing this forever. Find a few friends, that are new to it also, and you could compare stories and situations and see what's working for newer people. Um, and then just finding ways to be unique and different than every other agent out there. Uh, the good news is I've found with the younger people, they that's easy for them. So if they're working hard and they use some of these other methods that maybe someone who's doing this for 25 years doesn't use, it's a step up for them. Um, and they also have uh, friends who are within a couple of years are going to be buying houses. So I think it's like a good place to be at as a realtor. Yeah. So some of those other methods, is that like the TikTok, Instagram Reels route? Yeah, or tic is it TikTok, getting your name on the internet as much as possible um, as a person and also as your job. The more you're on Google in some way, shape or form, the more people are going to have a chance of finding you. And I think so many people just don't think that's like significant, but when you get calls randomly 
daily from people who just found you. It, it's a big lead source that I think a lot of people just ignore. Should those people that are trying to get their name out there post, is it daily? Is it like twice a week? What's kind of the, the magic sauce there on the frequency? I mean, so I guess for me, it's like, it's a daily job. I don't do the same thing every day, but it's, um, it's a combination. I always do something social um, daily, at least once. But then, I, I mean, I even write stories for um, other big websites um, that are looking for input from realtors in Philadelphia or just things taking place in Philadelphia. I always, I basically do one thing a day that along with social media in an attempt to get my name out there. Um, and yeah, over so, time, so the, yeah. just like they Google your name, you want something to pop up, whether it's an yeah. article, a house you sold, social, something. Yep. Yeah. I think it's a really smart approach, honestly. How did you, I, I know we're running short on time, but how did you make that connection to those writers? Did they reach out to you? Were you proactive and reached out to them? Or, you know, was that just something organic that popped up? Um, a little of both. Like, uh, I think what happened is the first time somebody came to me to do a story. And then I started to realize that a lot of these places want stories because it's free content for them. Um, and a lot of times what they'll do is they'll want something in return but you could coordinate it in and make it related to what I do. So they would give me a story that helps them, but I would spin it so that it also deals with Philadelphia or real estate. And it kind of just like worked for both parties um, because they were getting good content on their website. I was getting good content on, online that was related a little bit to them, but also to, to us. Yeah. Do you ever um, treat those PR contact almost like a, a contact in your CRM and kind of keep in touch with them to see if you can keep doing stories for those same folks. Yeah. There, there's a few different ones that I've done multiple stories. Uh, and they're always, I mean, it makes their job easier. I think when you give them stuff that they don't have to do, I think they actually like it. Yeah. Do you have a PR person that sets up opportunities like that or you just do it all through you? Just do it on my own. Yeah. I'll tell you, um, if you want to, continue that and and maybe just not have to put in as much time as you do have to personally, because obviously you're running a team, you're running your business, you got a lot going on. Um, we had, we hired a PR person that was able to get us those organic connections. Yeah. So it's not, we don't pay for the placements, but we pay this person who has the connections to get us the placements. If that makes sense. So they're not paid advertisements. It's still organic written yeah. pieces that are, that are not, paid for to be incorporated in them, but we're kind of paying the person that has the relationships with all these national writers. They can at least put our stories in front of these people and kind of pitch our team or our market or our listings to all these writers and see if they want to pick the story up. And that would just be um, a tip for, for you or any team leader that's looking to kind of grow that PR portion. Our mm -hmm. organic press has been huge for us to be able to point to and uh, in a listing appointment or a high dollar listing and just say, look, this, this kind of exposure, there's nobody else that's getting this. And, um, our, our PR team has been instrumental in that. So, um, I don't know if that's helpful at all, but yeah, it might be, it might be. Cause I get, um, you probably get, I mean, some of them are like, have been decent. Some of them are just smaller blogs and like stuff like that. So yeah, a couple of big ones really helps if you get, if you get on that. Yeah. That's, so that's kind of the, the step up that we were able to take with the PR team. was, and We were getting inquiries about maybe some local or regional stuff, 
But once we had someone that had those national connections, we were able to do the Wall Street Journal and New York Times and all those, you know, bigger yeah. publications that really get you in front of some of those high dollar buyers and sellers to go, oh, wow, this, this real estate firm looks interesting. Let me call them. And that helped. You just pay them monthly or is it a per use? Um, I, there's different firms that will do different things. We have someone on salary that is basically an independent contractor that we essentially She's, she owns the business, but we hire her to, to run everything. She's been phenomenal. But anyways, hopefully that's helpful. I, cool. I really appreciate your time today, sir. You've been phenomenal. You. And if anybody has some Philadelphia referrals that they can send your way, what is the best way to get in touch with you? Uh, so I guess the best way is Instagram because it's easy to remember. My my Instagram name is Top Philly Realtor. Doesn't mean I'm the top Philly realtor, but that's my name. I don't know how I came up with it, but it's catchy and people remember it that way. You can send me a message on there. Our website's also www.revolve-philly.com. Um, you can contact us there as well. Revolve, like revolving door dash Philly? Yep. Perfect. All right, Brett. Well, I appreciate you, sir. Thank you for all your time and sharing all these incredible tips with the audience and real estate rock stars. We will talk to you next time. Thank you so much. See you. Have a good day. All right, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show. Hopefully, you guys loved listening to that one. And I want to make sure that you know about all of the extra resources that we have. And also, we need your help. They say podcasts are free. You get to listen to podcasts for free. But what is the cost of that podcast? I would say if I could beg you to pay anything for that podcast, I would say the cost of the podcast is going and giving a review. So whether you download it on Google or Apple or YouTube or anywhere else, please go give us a review. Say what you liked, what you didn't like. It helps us get better guests. The more reviews, the higher we get in the rate rankings. Right now, we are the biggest podcast out there for real estate agents, and we want to keep that spot because we know there's lots of podcasts out there. So go give us a review. Also, be sure to go to hybendigital.com. If you liked any of the resources that those real estate agents talked about, we've got a huge video vault of those resources for free. Every penny that comes on the podcast that we interview, they give us something that helps them get their deals or helps them work with their clients, and we put that in the toolbox in our vault for you. So go to hybendigital.com and you can get it. If you're looking for real estate education, go to rebusuniversity.com. We have all sorts of courses in there to help agents succeed in real estate how to get the listing, how to negotiate deals, you know, how to become an investor, all sorts of different stuff, rebusuniversity.com. And if you want to chat with me, go find me on Instagram. If you come find me on Instagram, you can send me messages. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. We try to put a bunch of content out there too. You can find me in two different places. It's at rerockstars.com for our Real Estate Rockstars page or at erinamuchastegui.com for my personal Instagram page where I can chat with you about all sorts of different things. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.